Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Well, you should have received uh, just a moment ago a chapter two book. Everybody get one? Every individual needs one. We want every individual, not just family, not just couple, but every individual. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. And uh, our, just a few, there you go. And our uh, uh, ushers will get one of those uh, for you. What I'd like for you to do this afternoon, maybe after dinner and a nap, and, uh, and grab a great cup of coffee, which is always a good thing in and of itself, uh, sit down, and I'd love for you just to read through this. It'll give you a, a little bit um, a more in-depth look at what we believe God has for us to do across the next two years. This is not the next 20 years. This is not the next 15 years, not the next 10 years. Um, this is pretty clear what we think God wants us to pursue in the next two years. As we turn the page from chapter 1, the first 27 years of the church and launch maybe the next quarter of a century uh, of serving God and serving people uh, in this world. Uh, you'll find several things in here toward the uh, back there, four Bible study lessons that uh, all of our life groups are going to be taking a look at each week for the next four weeks. You can also use these in your daily time alone with God. You'll see some practical helps about uh, how to get God's guidance for you or your, um, you and your spouse, or you and your family, for what your commitment might be to, of your time and talents and treasure over the next two years to make this a reality. We're expecting every individual in the church to be involved and participate, uh, and uh, even including our, our kids. Uh, we want them to experience this as, as well. Uh, we'll. You'll be hearing more uh, about this across the next few weeks. Also, uh, we want you to bring these books with you uh, every Sunday morning for the, uh, we'll use them every week, the uh, uh, note pages for all of the messages for the next uh, few weeks are in the back. In fact, if you want to go ahead and turn to page 45, you'll get to the message note page for our uh, my talk this morning. So uh, be sure to, uh, to bring those uh, each week. And uh, if you've got a family member that didn't get one today, we'll get one in their hands when they come uh, next week as well. Some have been asking me, uh, some of our volunteers, key volunteers that have been helping prepare, well, Pastor, we know what we did in the past 27 years, but this sounds like a new vision, a new chapter. So what's going to be different in chapter 2 from chapter 1? Well, i got I got to couple of answers to that question, and, and here's the first one. Not much. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. Our mission that God gave us 27 years ago is still the mission that we pursue today. That does not change. In fact, He mandated that in the Scripture. We don't even get to pick that if you're a follower of Christ. He, he gives us our mission remains the same, and it remains the same with great confidence because we got it right in the first 27 years. We pursued the right uh, things uh, in the kingdom of God that God wanted us to pursue and get done. We will continue that. And I'm going to take it. We're going to re-look at our mission in just a moment. My second answer to the question, what's going to be different, is several things. Not much, but several things. Uh, our mission never changes, but our goals in each chapter in the life of the church do. 
the, the concrete plans uh, that God wants us to pursue. There's some things that God actually wants us to get done. And you heard about them in the, uh, the video. There, we explain them more fully in your chapter 2 book that we've given you. Some of the goals are for internally for our congregation, uh, strengthening our ongoing ministries to children and students and adults, strengthening our worship service ministry uh, to our church and community. Uh, strengthening our compassion ministries through the Real Life Center to uh, the south side of Atlanta uh, for our own church members as well as people in the community who find themselves in great need uh, in a crisis with not enough food, not enough money, not enough clothing, not uh, who need jobs, who need transportation. Uh, we will continue to uh, pursue those. In our, um, in our church, you'll see that we're continuing to strengthen our base of operations with our facilities. Uh, we hope in within a matter of days to break ground and begin construction on the multi-purpose building that will, among other things, house our middle and high school students on campus in our ministry but provide other opportunities for our church. Uh, we also want to aggressively uh, retire any indebtedness that we have on this 92-acre campus and all the development that's been done. Chapter 2, as I said in the video, puts us on a path to uh, retire that debt in five years if we, if we reach our goals. Uh, in, our, um, in our region, community and region, uh, we uh, will pursue the strategy, get God's guidance on the idea of launching new dogwood campuses, multi-campuses. So well, where are those going to be? How are we going to do that? When are we going to do that? We don't know yet. We don't even know if we're to do it yet. All we know is that this is something that God is doing all over the North American continent. We think to be more effective, it's something that we should pursue as a church to get God's guidance on. It might be a strategy for our church. If that fascinates you, you may want to be on the, the team that pursues the study of this strategy. And uh, let, me, let me know. When it comes to our nation... Uh, we are going to plant a new congregation in urban Atlanta. We're joining a, a nationwide network of sister churches who are seeking to repopulate not just urban Atlanta, but uh, 38 major metropolitan areas in North America, in the USA and Canada, uh, with life-giving churches. We're going to try to, across the nor North America in the next 10 years, uh, plant uh, 15,000 brand-new congregations. Uh, just in the Atlanta area, the, the churches that we're partnering with in this initiative, we're seeking to plant uh, the greater Atlanta area, 306, I believe it is, new congregations um, in the next 10 years. Uh, we're taking on one of those in our backyard in urban Atlanta. That's a, that's a new plan. That's something that we will be working on in the next two years. In our world, we'll continue to support all of our uh, 5,000 International Mission Board missionaries and their work in almost every country in the world. Uh, we will continue to work with our partners that you saw in uh, Guyana and Kenya and Thailand and East Asia. And uh, we have um, taken ownership of the Altai people group uh, to take the gospel to them and lead them to faith and get the scriptures in their hands and gather them into a multiplying network of churches uh, We'll pursue that intently across the next five years. So there's some, some really some concrete plans, things that we believe God wants us to get done. That will be different. We've not pursued those particular uh, plans uh, previously. So a lot of things are going to be the same, and a lot of things are going to be new in chapter 2. 
But our mission has never changed. Our mission has never changed. And today as we celebrate 27 years as a church, we, we look back to 27 years ago when uh, on a beautiful, sunny Sunday morning, first Sunday of March of 1987, 152 men and women and children gathered in the cafeteria of the Huddleston Elementary School for the first ever public worship services of this congregation. Uh, we got any Huddleston hounds in here? Got a few that went to elementary school at Huddleston. Yeah, well, that's where we began. We spent two years there, and the church grew and outgrew that school, and we moved to McIntosh High School and met there for five and a half years. Uh, it was pretty hard to be a, a member of this church at that time. You had to get up and be at church about 6 o'clock and set up for church and then have worship services and then start packing up and get home about 2 o'clock and have a collapsion right there in your house, you know, after... All that, but it was wonderful. It was magnificent. In 1994, we opened our first campus uh, down on Robinson Road, and then the Lord took us on a journey after 11 years there to relocate to a larger campus, and we moved to this campus in 2005, all along being involved with our church, in our community, in our nation, and in our world uh, with the mission of making more and better followers of Christ who love God and love people here and around the world. That's never changed. The expression of it is always changing as, as we change and our culture change and as God gives us opportunities to serve His purposes. But uh, chapter 2 is about two things. It's about boldly funding all of the plans that we believe God has helped us set for our church for the next two years. And chapter 2 is about your spiritual transformation. It's about both. Some uh, One asked me, said, Pastor, isn't this just a really clever way for the church, for you to get my money in the church's pocket? Yeah, come on. Everybody's, you know, that's, it, it, that's at least funny. I mean, you know, everybody, everybody thinks about that. Yeah, we sit around and say, what's a clever way to have their billfold baptized? You know, it's not exactly that. God's people are to fund God's work. That's the way it works. Now, why did God do that? I don't know. I'd like to ask Him because He spoke creation into existence. He doesn't need us, but God Almighty self-limited. He, he limited Himself and decided, I'm going to work largely through my people. And so... When we give of our time and our talents and our treasure, God's work gets done. It's the way He designed for it to happen. And when we give, we get transformed for the better. It is His plan to set us free from materialism. It's the only plan He has. Or, you know, He said that we will either serve Him or our stuff. Either He will be our God or our possessions will be our God. Jesus said, you can't serve both. He said it this way, you can't serve God in mammon is the way he said it. can't serve God in money. Money makes a terrible God, but it makes a wonderful servant. And that's how, that's how God intended for it to be. But unless we, unless we get help, we will have a gravitational pull toward our money owning us, our possession, our possessions possessing us. 
giving sets us free from materialism and turns our heart toward God. Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 23 in the Living Bible translation says this, God gave us the tithe or, or this the offering. God gave us this, this act of worship, the offering, to teach us to put Him first in everything. Pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. So, when we give, God work, God's work gets done. And when we give, we get transformed for the better. Chapter 2 is about that. But this morning, I want to do what um, I do many of our uh, birthdays, uh, celebrations as a church, and that's help us remember why we're here. Let's take a look at our mission one more time. Let's repound the nails uh, to make sure we've got this right. Uh, the mission of, lo- of making more and better followers of Christ who love God and love people comes from two key passages of Scripture. Ready? Here they go. The first one we call the Great Commandment, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two commands. And then it's also based on the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, if you want to jot down that reference. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember... I am with you always to the end of the age. This has been our mission for 27 years. It'll be our mission for as long as the Lord leaves this, uh, this congregation on, on the earth. And so as we turn the page from chapter 1 to chapter 2, let's remember why we exist. Uh, here we find that we will continue over the next two years to worship. Write down the big word worship. Worship. That's one of the reasons that we exist. To worship God is one of the ways that we fulfill the love God part of our mission. For worship is expressing our love to God by submitting ourselves to Him. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And in Matthew, excuse me, in John chapter 4, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, scholars, uh, some scholars say that Jesus meant that we would worship God under the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Some say He meant that we would worship God in spirit, meaning in um, authentically, genuinely, sincerely. We wouldn't just be here going through the motions, that it would be heartfelt, that we would really mean it. We'd really mean it. So which one of those are right, Pastor? I don't know. They're both good. Just pick one. Uh, led by the Spirit and sincerity of heart. We are to worship God in spirit and in truth. That means that we can't worship God just any old way we wish. God has many instructions in His Word about how we are to approach Him and how we are to honor Him in worship. Uh, We are to worship Him in alignment with His will and His ways as we find in the Scriptures. Now, have you noticed that when you go from congregation to congregation that the personality or the worship services in congregations will vary somewhat? You ever notice that? Sure, sure. 
Uh, here you see what we do. Our worship services are celebrative and we use the arts as much as we can. Um, uh, we seek for them to be inspirational. We seek for them to prepare us in a very practical way for living where we live, work, and play when we leave this place. Uh, we we uh, think of the word um, uh, contemplation, a time to ponder and draw near to God, be still and know that He's God. So we have a little bit of that in all. We're, we're, we're casual about ourselves but very serious about God. And then you could go down the street to uh, uh, another church where one of my pastor friends, who's one of my prayer partners, serves as the senior pastor, and their worship services are quiet, very quiet, uh, formal, a lot of symbolism and bells and smells and Bach preludes and meditations and it's rich and wonderful. Uh, you could go to my mom and dad's church, which is kind of a county seat town Protestant uh, church, red brick, white column, you know, steeple on the top, two magnolia trees in the front yard, doxology sung at eleven twenty-eight every Sunday morning. Uh, you know, the uh, grand piano here, pipe organ here, robed choir. Here, uh, very, very healthy church. Now, here, let me ask you, which one of those do you think God likes the best? It's us, right? It's us, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. As long as He is worshipped in spirit and in truth, He loves it all. God creates all kinds of congregations with all kinds of personalities because it takes all kinds of congregations to help all kinds of people connect to Him. And so we celebrate it all. Whatever you do when you invite people to come to services here with us, uh, with us, don't say, oh, you need to come because the worship's just better. Please. It can't be better. What you're saying is, is that it, it, it fits the way God wired you up, your heart language, your ability to communicate and connect with Him. That's all it says is that this is a good spot for you. Can't be better. Don't ever say that. Just pray that we worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, we exist to provide, across the next two years, we, we hope to gather an ever-increasing percentage of the unchurched population to become willing worshipers of God in public worship services, either here or in other congregations. Um, and so chapter 2 will see us pursue that. And when you give of your time and talents and treasure... That kind of work gets done, and our hearts will be transformed. We exist to worship God. Here's a second word I want you to write down. It's the word serve. Serve. We exist to love people by serving them. This is the love people part of our mission. We exist to love God and love people. Jesus said in, in Matthew 22, we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. We love people by serving them. Remember, love is a behavior. It is benevolent action. We confuse it in our culture with, the, with warm, emotional, romantic even feelings. But that love is not an emotion. Contrary to what all of our culture believes, love is a behavior. Is it Bob Goss that you, you Chick-fil-A guys heard? Goff, Goff, Bob Goff. He, um, he wrote a book, and I love the title. It's called Love Does Love does. And that's, that's good theology because love is an action. Love acts. Love behaves. Love does something. It does something. And so we exist to, to be God's hands and feet, His, uh, His, His, uh, His presence through which His love is demonstrated to people, each other and people in our uh, community. 
as well. Jesus said it this way in John 13, 35. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Based on the gift each has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. Now here at Dogwood, we believe every member is a minister. There are no passengers on this ship, only crew members. And so in chapter 2, we are pursuing an initiative to raise the value and the practice of serving, of serving in ministry. Uh, We have asked Pastor Jay uh, Vineyard to join our team, one of our associate pastors, and he is the champion of this initiative. We have a goal of uh, mobilizing a minimum of 80% of our students and adults to serve Christ's purposes strategically at least one hour a week, either internally in the church, externally in the community, uh, in our nation, and or in our uh, world, and spontaneously to live on mission where you live, work, and play. We demonstrate the love of God to people. And when you give to chapter 2 of your time and talents and treasure, you get that kind of work of God done, and your hearts are transformed. We have found that that serving others, loving others through service is both an act of generosity and it is one of God's exercises in helping us grow in generosity. God is very efficient. He uses our acts of serving to accomplish several things, demonstrating generosity and His love to other people and simultaneously growing us in our capacity to be generous making our hearts bigger and softer toward people. Uh, God wants that to happen with us. That's our mission. That's why we exist. Uh, We also exist to share. Our mission means that we share. Write down that word. And what I mean by share is share the gospel. This is the making more followers of Christ part of our mission. It's evangelism. It's influencing people who are not followers of Christ, to become followers of Christ. It is influencing people who are not connected to the kingdom of heaven to be connected to the kingdom of heaven through faith in Christ. That's our job. Even far from God people, um, they matter to God and they also matter to our church. I mean, Jesus Himself was questioned by the religious leaders of His day and they said to His disciples, why do you guys eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said, well, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. You see, we believe that God is more interested in what the Bible calls lost people than He is found people. Now, He doesn't love them more than He loves you, but He's saying you exist in large part for people who are not here people who don't know me, people who are outside of, who are not living under the blessing of my care and supervision each day, who, don't, who do not have my gift of abundant life here and eternal life there. And so we are to pursue them. Uh, now, our strategy, remember, to do this is two words. Here's some more words to write down. Invest and invite. This is your strategy. You are an evangelist, but you didn't know that. You're an ambassador for Christ if you're His follower, he says. You have the job of in your circles of relationships and as you have opportunity, influencing people who are outsiders to become insiders, who are non-Christians to become Christians, who are unbelievers to become believers. 
That's your job description. That's in my job description. And our church exists largely to do that. What if God doubled our capacity to influence people who don't know Christ to come to faith in Christ in the next two years? Wow! He might do that. I think He wants to do that. It'll happen if you invest in the far-from-God people in your life. You say, how do you do that? Let me give you some more words to write down. Pray. Write that down. You invest in people's lives by praying for them. Care. You invest in people's lives by caring for them. That means when they have needs, small or enormous, you help them. You give care. You, you're helpful. That's that love part. You love people. You get involved in their lives. You help them as you have opportunity. You're proactive. And the third word is socialize. Spend time with them. Develop good friendships with people who don't know Christ. Don't make them your project. No one wants to be a project, but everybody needs a good friend. And people are all people are valuable and will enrich your life whether they follow Christ or not. But uh, we pray for them to come to faith. We pray for their needs. We, we do good to them as we have opportunity. We care for them. And then we include them in our lives. When you have times of celebration, invite them. Uh, you say, well, I'm, t- I'm so busy... Don't ask me to take on more people. Anybody feeling that right now? Sure you are. Don't have to raise your hand. I don't have room for more people in my life. Well, here's what we have to do. We have to be strategic. Anybody? Does anybody here have any fun? Barb, I'm not, I know you do already. Yeah, we're not worried about Barb McBride. She, she, you don't have fun. You bring it when you go. But you know, if some of you have not worked your way out of all fun in your life and maybe you've got a hobby where you like to fish or play golf or play tennis or go to the theater, then do those things. You already do, but include your far-from-God friends in that every now and then. There's just nothing better for your spiritual life than having a, a couple of hell-bound, profane beer drinking, cigarette, tobacco chewing, SOBs hanging around your life. Now that's sons of Baptists, you know. <laughs> so, so, so that's what we do. That's what we do. That's what we do. It's part of our mission. We love God. We love people. We make more followers of Christ. And we also um, include people in fellowship. Write down the word belong. We want to provide a spiritual family, a church family where people belong. Remember, we don't want anybody to go to Dogwood, do we? We want people to what? Belong. Belong. Make that. And when you're asking people in the community, you meet them and you realize that they're probably connected to a church somewhere, do not ask them, hey, where do you? Don't say that. Ask, what church do you belong to? Let's, let's help the culture a little bit. This is not something you attend. This is a church family you belong to. That's where the benefit comes. And the Bible describes this kind of life. We're to be a spiritual family for people that, uh, that relates in a, in a loving, gracious, supportive fashion because no one is supposed to go through life all alone. The, the New Testament has about 60 phrases that are described as, a one, as one another or each other. that describes what life together in Christ in a church family is to be like. And we learn to do this. We don't give up on each other. We stick with each other and we learn to live this way. I mean, here are just, um, here are just a few. It, it says that we are to love one another, pray for one another, accept one another, 
care for one another, encourage each other, help each other, serve each other, be patient with one another, exhort one another, rebuke and correct one another, teach one another, comfort one another, rejoice with one another, mourn with one another, restore each other in the name of Christ, be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, stop passing judgment on one another, greet one another, uh, carry one another's burdens, forgive each other, be kind and compassionate to each other, submit to each other, uh, bear with one another, admonish one another, confess your sins one to another. He says life in a church family is that we're to go about one anothering one another. All that stuff. Now, we don't do that naturally as we walk with Christ and we get in this, this laboratory experience of a church family. That's where we get to practice. And so, guess how He helps us learn practice being patient with one another? He puts you in contact with somebody in the church family that just can rub all the hide off you in about 30 seconds. Just you know, they just you they just naturally step on your last nerve. So when you find those folks, you know, don't leave because if you leave, you're somebody else's punishment. In our, you know, you're you you're the last nerve for somebody, and and so God helps. We learn to love people who aren't like us. We learn to be patient with one another and give care for one another and support one another. And our church exists to provide a spiritual family for each other. And we will continue that in chapter 2. We will continue to do that. We also exist. We worship. Uh, we serve. We share. We belong. And we grow. Write down the word grow. We help people grow in their faith. This is the make better followers of Christ part of our mission. It's called discipleship. It's called spiritual growth and maturity. We are all about that. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight twenty that we are to teach them to obey everything that He has commanded. Uh, we we are to help we help believers grow toward full spiritual maturity to become like Christ by practicing the spiritual habits modeled by Jesus and taught in the Scriptures to grow spiritually. This is what we do. We, we have existed for 27 years to make more and better followers of Christ who love God and love people here and around the world. And that's what we will continue to do as we turn the page to chapter 2. Now, here's what I'm asking of you. I'm asking you to commit to the next two years. And I'm asking you to commit with your time. I'm asking you to commit with your ability or your talents. And I'm asking you to commit with your treasure. I'm asking you to begin a process to determine what that's going to look like across these next five or six weeks in this chapter two initiative. I'm asking, we're going to pray in just a moment. I'm asking you this morning to commit to pray and get God's guidance. Ask Him, Lord, what do you want me to commit to? What do you want my time commitment to be? What do you want my financial commitment to be, faith commitment to give in total over the next two years to the ministry of dog that you have through Dogwood Church. Commit to pray and get His guidance. Second, go ahead and commit to say yes to whatever He says. Whatever He says, I agree with it. Say, Lord, my answer to you is yes. I'm saying yes. We are, we are here today worshiping Him.
because hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men and women in our church for the last 27 years have said yes to God. Yes, 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 yes. This congregation has said yes. I'm asking you to commit to find His guidance, what your commitment is going to be. Go ahead and commit to say yes. And then on March the 30th, to bring your commitment cards and turn them in as an act of faith and commitment. Why don't we pray now? Join me. Let's pray. So just take a moment. Say, Lord, I commit to begin praying to You. I want You to show me what my faith commitment is to be across the next two years with my time, with my talents, with my money, with my offerings. What do You want me to commit to give across the next two years? to make these plans a reality, to see that your plans get done and my heart gets transformed. Make it clear, Lord, I pray. Now go ahead and deal with your temptation to resist God. Sometimes we're tempted to say no to God because we're afraid. I'm afraid to do what you're asking me to do. Sometimes we feel inadequate. Lord, I'd love to obey you. I am unable to do what I believe you're leading me to do. Help me with that. Sometimes we have uh, the problem of obstinate rebellion and disobedience. I just don't want to do what you want me to do, God. Well, now there's a sinful problem. Ask Him to help you, grant you grace to repent from obstinate disobedience and rebellion and be open to say yes. We need His grace to do that. And I'm asking you to pray for our whole congregation that every one of us would get on the bus and go into the next two years together. Pray that God does great things with us across these next few weeks together. Pray that He will build His kingdom here as we sang when we opened the service. Johnson, um, her daughter, uh, 
Debbie Sanders, granddaughter, Rich Eagleson, grandson, all of the Vogel extended family are grieving her death this morning. So we get to do some one anothering today and across the next few days. So you, you press in. Be Jesus with skin on him to that family. But take a moment and pray for the Vogel family right now. For God's amazing peace and grace as they grieve her death. And so, Lord, that's what we do. We come to you now. We do pray for the Vogel family that you would lift them up and strengthen them, comfort them. As you are comforting many people in our congregation this morning who are grieving, do that for the Vogels as well. And Lord, we pray for our church now that you would take us on this journey, that we would come out the other end saying an enthusiastic yes to you and all that you ask of us. For Lord, we look up to you. We look up to you for your grace. We look up to you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We look up to you for you to be at work in us both to desire and do what pleases you, both to will and to work for your good pleasure. Do that in us now. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.